This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For 999 years. Now, what is the justification for retaining, let's say, my Amazon history for 999 years. And GDPR effectively says, if you're going to retain data, then you must prove that it's still relevant and it's adequate and it's accurate and it's necessary. That was Jonathan Armstrong. In this episode of Life with GDPR, we look at the almost exploding issue of cookie banners and ask questions around are your cookie is your cookie banner uh, accurate and is it legally within the requirements of GDPR? There's a campaign against these in the EU now, and it's something that you certainly need to be aware of. We take a look at this episode. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Life with GDPR. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox along with Jonathan Armstrong back from our summer hiatus for another episode of Live with GDPR. Jonathan, you look tanned, not too burned from the English summer. So first of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. And yeah, breaking news. The UK heat wave broke about five minutes ago, so it's still incredibly hot here, but you'll probably be able to hear the thunder in the background as we speak. So we had our first rain two nights ago for the first time since June. So it looks like our drought has broken this. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what that has to do with GDPR, but it seems like it's the segue we have. You are on the rant yet again about cookies. What is it this time that's got your attention? I am. A lot of this, I think, to be that there are people who are worried about cookies and are worried about their effects. But the legal consequences behind cookies have been quite interesting. Years ago, I was at a presentation from the Information Commissioner, so that's probably not the last commissioner, the commissioner before, who who looked at the number of cookies complaints versus legislation. As legislation gets stronger, more people complain about the effects of the legislation than they do about cookies themselves. And I think cookies in some respects is a bit like that. I think more people are annoyed about cookie banners than they are about cookies. But obviously in the EU, the cookie regime is fairly strict. You have regulations under GDPR and also under another directive, which is undergoing change, 
called the e-commerce directive and that's implemented by local legislation so in the uk which is still in the eu regime for these purposes something called pika and what uh, and we've had a long line of cases with some fairly high fines against the use of cookies and particularly cookies that aren't disclosed there are a number of issues with cookies. So, for example, if I go onto many common websites, some of them will retain cookies for 999 years. Now, what is the justification for retaining, let's say, my Amazon history for 999 years? And GDPR effectively says, if you're going to retain data, then you must prove that it's still relevant and it's adequate and it's accurate, and it's necessary. And obviously, holding cookie data for 999 years, it's very hard to pass that test. And essentially, that and a number of other complaints are the formation of a campaign from the pressure group NOYB. It's the pressure group that was founded by Max Schrems, the privacy activist who challenged Safe Harbor and then subsequently Privacy Shield and the data acquisition practices of Facebook. And what they have done is they've developed, if you like, a, a process for looking at websites and checking whether their cookie disclosures match actually what is happening and looking at the sort of GDPR ramifications of their cookie use. And if their system decides that they aren't complying with the legislation, it effectively sends them a draft complaint to a regulator. They're asked to log into an NOIB portal and say that they've made changes. And if they don't log on, then a complaint is generated to the relevant regulator. And in this latest wave, NOIB have particularly had in their sites, banners that use the OneTrust data protection or privacy software. And I don't think that's necessarily a criticism of OneTrust, but I think what NOYB have done is they've automated some of their process. They've found it easier to do with one solution provider. And in many respects, OneTrust is popular among some of the larger corporations. But they've had that same process of sending people these draft notifications. And if they don't reply within the allotted time, then a complaint is generated to a regulator. And so on August 9th, NOYB lodged an additional 226 complaints to data protection authorities in 18 countries across the EU. And effectively, what they're saying is that the OneTrust banner was configured incorrectly. And as we've said on these podcasts before, it needs to be as easy to reject cookies as it is to accept them. And from my experience, I would say about 80% of the clients that where we look at the website on their behalf, there's also a disconnect between the cookies that the OneTrust banner says they're running versus the cookies that they're actually running. And again, that may be a configuration issue rather than an issue with the software itself. So what happens next? In September 2021, the European Data Protection Board, this sort of 
over overarching EU institution that supervises in-country data protection authorities said that they were going to have a special task force for an earlier wave of NOYB cookie banner complaints. And that task force is exchanging views on legal analysis, possible infringements, providing support to national DPAs and streamlining communications. And it's fair to say that previous phases of this NOYB campaign have had some results. We know that data protection authorities in Belgium, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Norway and Spain have been looking at cookies recently. And the UK now outside the EU, but inside the EU system, as far as cookies are concerned, has launched a long-running investigation into ad tech, which resulted in a commission's opinion last November. We've also seen fines too, and some significant fines in France, particularly for Google, for Facebook, and the retailer Carrefour. And the European Parliament itself was also reprimanded earlier in the year because of an NOYB complaint, which said that EU institutions also, in some respects, aren't following the law. One interesting aspect, I think, is that according to NOYB, the compliance with this phase was almost worse than the last phase. They said in the last phase, 42% of organisations who were asked to make changes made those changes within 30 days. And Schrems says in this round, it's worse. Only 24% dealt with their concerns in 60 days. So it's clear that we're going to see a lot more cookie enforcement. And NOYB has also said that it's going to gear up its campaign to look at some of the other platforms, not just OneTrust. So they're also going to look at TrustArc, at CookieBot, at UserCentrics, and at Quantcast. So most of the major cookie management platforms are going to be plugged into the NOYB system, if you like. For most organizations, the key takeaway is to check that cookie banner. Obviously, if you haven't got a cookie banner, that's probably step one for you. You need to work out the cookies that are on the website. And as I say, often compliance professionals aren't given the right information. So you can independently check the number of cookies that are running. You can get lawyers to help with that. You need to match up your privacy policy and your cookie disclosures and your banner to make sure that they all make sense. And then some cookies that retain data for long periods of time Anything more than a month or so, I think, is going to need some pretty good justification. And as I say, 999 years, almost impossible to justify. The problem for most organizations is the third parties they use. So if they have a link to social media, it might be the platform that's providing that management. If they link to weather or some sort of adverts or analytics applications, it's nearly always those that are problematical rather than the cookies that the business is using off its own servers. So there's work to be done for most organizations, I think, to make sure that they're not in the next round of complaints, which will inevitably follow. First of all, the invidiousness of the 999 years is clear to any evangelical who would simply flip that to see 666. 
I'm very yeah. nervous about that fact. You articulated a couple of things around the either the complaints or concerns with cookies. And I was able to get down retention length and the ease of rejecting. Are there any other specific complaints that the YB group has either brought up or you're aware of or sort of circulate? I think the main concern in many of these cases is who is data being shared with. So, for example, NOYB supported a another pressure group who took action against uh, Grinder. It's a dating site for gay daters. And they were worried that data from that site, which was obviously sensitive for many of its users, was being shared with advertisers. So another large element of this campaign is over people having the choice and an informed choice of who they're sharing data with, rather than being assumed to be willing to share all of their secrets with everybody forever. That, unfortunately, seems to be the default position of some advertisers, and particularly some of these shady middlemen, if you like, that act between websites and advertisers and offer large amounts of data based on sometimes fairly weird assumptions about how they can drive behaviors. And from my experience, it's some of these middlemen platforms, if you like, that are the the most egregious in terms of not handling cookies correctly. And I think in many respects, the NOY campaign is focused on bringing that whole infrastructure into the light so that we can see the things that are going on in the darker corners of the internet. So, Jonathan, if a compliance officer or other business executive listening to this podcast wants to begin to try to determine whether they're in compliance or not and then put together a remedial plan and begin to take action steps, literally, where do they go or how do they do it? You mentioned lawyers. Is this something lawyers are competent to do or do you really need a IT technical person who can not only look at your cookies, but perhaps those of third parties. Okay. I'll give you the legal answer of it depends. I think I think it does depend. I would say this, wouldn't I? Choose the right lawyers. I think not all lawyers are competent in this space. It's relatively easy to see if there's a mismatch. So you could start by using some software to crawl over your website. And if you find cookies that aren't disclosed in your banner, your cookie management tool, that tells you you've probably got a problem. And usually the disconnect is because the IT guys or the marketing guys think they're obliged only to record the cookies that are on their servers rather than the cookies that appear on the website. And without getting too complicated, oftentimes modern websites are made up of pieces a little bit like a jigsaw if you imagine that and pieces in the jigsaw are provided by different people google analytics add this a whole host of different providers and oftentimes the organization only knows the bit its bit of the jigsaw if you like but that piece of the jigsaw might be one of a hundred in the page that the user sees And your obligation is generally to show them 
the cookies that apply to all 100 pieces, not just your one in the corner. And so it's relatively easy to use some software to crawl over your website to look at all 100 pieces and then match them against the disclosures that you've made using OneTrust or whatever other tool it was and then also match them against the privacy policy because quite often people haven't updated their privacy policy for a while and they say we use cookies and here are the three that we use whereas the website itself we had one client I think they told us that they used seven cookies we used some software to check I think we found 230 there's a big difference between the number of cookies people think they're using and the number of cookies that are being displayed on their website. And so obviously, you can't be transparent unless those facts. So the start is often working out the cookies that you're using and tracing it back through your policies to be transparent. And obviously, if there's a, there's a data security issue here as well. We've had a client, for example, who used mapping software to give people details of how to get to its offices. But they were a defense contractor, and it seemed that some of the traffic involved in this mapping software was going to a foreign nation. If you're a defense contractor, are you comfortable with data going to a server in another country for who knows what purpose? So sometimes getting the compliance bit right will also enable you to be more secure and reduce risks in other areas as well. Where do you see this going, Jonathan, on the enforcement side? Will this be something you believe will be rigorously enforced or not? I think it probably will in many jurisdictions. Data protection authorities in some countries are under pressure to get numbers on the board. And these are relatively easy prosecutions for them. NOYB is filling out the complaint form. It's giving them details of infringements. It's pointing them to the relevant bit of GDPR that's been infringed. And it's also saying it's put the infringer on notice. So if I'm a regulator, that's a relatively easy prosecution for me. They've handed me a cake. I only have to ice it versus going and getting eggs and flour and water and doing all the mixing bit. And regulators are under pressure to get numbers on the board and they're increasingly short of resources. And if I can also get help from EDPB on sense checking what the complaint looks like from this special task force, then they're relatively easy prosecutions to bring, relatively high levels of fines. We change from almost being a DPA to being an ATM because they can just collect money, which will satisfy their treasury paymasters in many cases. This sounds like something um, everyone needs to consider, and it also sounds like something we're going to be revisiting down the road. I'm sure that's the case, I look Tom. forward to continuing this conversation, Jonathan. Take care. Thank This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. We're going to link to the quarterly compliance client alert on this topic. So I hope you will check that out. The uh, link will be in the show notes. I'd like to tell you about two recent limited edition podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. The first one celebrated 100th anniversary of the publication of James Joyce's Ulysses. It's entitled Ulysses at 100, 
Lessons for the 21st Century Compliance Professional. The second is Never the Same. Why Business Has Changed Forever After the Russian Invasion of Ukraine in Five Key Areas, Supply Chain, Sanctions, Anti-Corruption as a National Security Issue, Cybersecurity, and ESG. You can check out both of these podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. The Ulysses series is under the podcast series, Greetings and Felicitations. This is Tom Fox. Thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you'll join Jonathan and I again where we take up another issue around GDPR. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.